This is Alan Robinson, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for the Week 8 edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and thank you so much for joining me each and every week of the season. This is where we meet up to step through the fantasy football trade market in our leagues. As always, please make sure to follow us at RosterWatch.com on Twitter at RosterWatch. Subscribe to the RosterWatch channel on YouTube and, of course, to the RosterWatch podcast on your favorite podcast uh, platform. I hope that all of you guys are doing well. Uh, remember, we are consolidating. We are liquidating. We are balancing our rosters right now, depending on what we've identified our needs are in order to have a better team. So through the fantasy football trade market, we are consolidating. We are liquidating. We are balancing our rosters at this juncture of the season. Consolidating is when we take two good players and trade for one really good player in return and liberate a roster spot in the meantime. Liquidating is when we've identified that we are a struggling team who needs to lose now. And the reason that we are not performing the best we can is because every week we've got a couple of holes in our starting lineup. Um, Those are teams that need to consider taking their best, most marketable players or player and liquidating them down into two, maybe three good players with good matchups that can help you win right now and also guys that you could feel good about owning rest of season and maybe have some maneuverability with um, <clears throat> if you can get on the right side of the win-loss column in the coming weeks. And then, of course, we balance our roster oftentimes in one-for-one interpositional trades. Maybe we're deep at running back, but we're short at wide receiver in our starting lineup, and uh, that's leaving us in a, in a little bit of a tough <clears throat> situation every week. Maybe we've always got a tough decision between like some running back that we have to bench, but we're always playing it a little bit thin at wide receiver. If you've identified that's the reason that you're not the most competitive you can be uh, every week of the season, because remember, that's the number one mandate is to win now, then you may look into a roster balancing one-for-one trade uh, if that's your situation. Um, always like to give you guys an example of trades that I make in my own leagues just to show you that I practice what I preach, also just to step you through the thought process. Um, this is a little bit of a unique situation last week, so kind of a must-win situation in a particular league. Actually, the league that I made the trade for Mark Andrews uh, in a couple weeks ago that got me that just clutch win. Something similar happened this week. So fortunately, Fortunately, this week, I, on waivers, was able to pick up Jamal Williams, Giovanni Bernard, and Antonio Brown. I was just quick on the draw this week. It was the trifecta of really good waiver pickups. But in the process of doing so, I had to drop my backup quarterback and my kicker just to be able to roster those guys. I have a deep, pretty good roster, a lot of good players I want to keep. And, um, you know, the best way to make those ads sometimes is drop your backup defense, drop your backup tight end, drop your backup quarterback, drop your kicker, pick those guys up, hold them until you can get more information or make some other moves. Um, And then you can always circle back and, you know, pick up a kicker right before game time or whatnot. Once you've got more information to make the best decisions you can uh, for the week. 
So nonetheless, I needed to liberate a roster spot. I was a Chris Godwin owner who picked up Antonio Brown. Now, this was last week before the Godwin injury. Clearly, that's, that's not really a sustainable situation on your roster. You need to understand if you're in a situation like that, ultimately you're going to need to trade one of those guys, hopefully the one that's got more value if you see that in your mind they're relatively uh, equals. Now, the thing was, though, I needed to play Chris Godwin last week because I was in a must-win situation. He had a great matchup, and obviously Antonio Brown not available yet and that turned out to be great because I did keep keep Godwin and I pulled off a critical victory this last week but in the meantime what I did because I needed to clear that roster spot so I could keep and play Jamal Williams and Gio Bernard to get that win last week but again I, I had to clear a roster spot in order to pick up a kicker before game time so This is funny because this went down with a guy in our league who historically never trades. He's a total chicken little, and he won't do a deal unless he thinks he's getting one over on you or um, he's getting a guy maybe with great name value. So I recognized very quickly that he would be a great owner to approach with Antonio Brown. Now, I understand that Antonio Brown could have excellent value on the season but again that's kind of non-issue for me since I was a Godwin owner I needed to keep Godwin it would never be sustainable to keep both of them and ultimately I was facing having to drop somebody if I couldn't make a deal and it could have been Antonio Brown I might have been forced to drop so in this situation I recognized the other guy I would like to trade off is Jerry Judy so I said to myself okay I need to keep Godwin this week I need to liberate a roster spot doesn't make any sense for me to roster Godwin and Antonio Brown. And I need a better player than Jerry Judy uh, as depth on my roster. So uh, the other league mate, he's a player who rostered Hollywood Brown, who we always talk about on this show. Oftentimes there are artificial purchasing moments created during a player's bye week. And that's exactly what the situation with Hollywood was. He was on bye last week. So it just <clears throat> it made sense for all, all parties. And I know that Hollywood hasn't delivered exactly what we hoped for this season. I, I do think there's a good chance he's going to come out pretty strong here after the bye. That said, since I really couldn't assign much value to Antonio Brown in my situation, a player that's, you know, I'm in a must-win situation, a player that wasn't available now, I needed to use his teammate, a guy I might even have to drop, Um, The main mandate for me was I need to come home with a player I like more than Jerry Judy. So even though it was kind of a marginal deal, uh, I was able to take Jerry Judy, Antonio Brown, and I know you guys are going to say that's a whole lot, and it is in some ways, but it was not a sustainable situation for me. And I view Hollywood Brown as an upgrade over Jerry Judy. And Antonio Brown was a guy I had just picked up off the waiver wire and really, you know, I... I was in position to to probably have to move just given my circumstances. So I traded Jerry Judy, Antonio Brown for Marquise Brown last week on his bye. Uh, That allowed me to play Jamal Williams, play Gio Bernard that I picked up off the waiver wire. I kept Chris Godwin in my lineup. All those guys had great games, and I was able to flip a guy I just picked up off the waiver wire that's still a few weeks out from playing, with clearly with some competition at the position. I was able to flip him. And a, and a less and another player that I viewed lesser 
than Hollywood Brown, who I got in return. So it was a make sense deal. I didn't get something huge over on somebody, but I added a nice player to my roster. I achieved all my goals. I liberated the waiver sp- or the roster spot, and I got my win last week. And again, I, I, I feel good about it because I do believe Hollywood Brown is an upgrade over Jerry Judy. So in some ways, depending on how you assign value to Antonio Brown, which in my situation, I was unable to assign great value to Antonio Brown. Um, I did a consolidation deal, Jerry Judy plus another player to consolidate for Hollywood Brown, who I thought was better than Jerry Judy, uh, rest of the season uh, in return. And I'm excited to roll Hollywood out this week. Uh, now that Godwin's injured, this is actually good timing for me. He's got a good matchup. So we'll see how it shakes out, but want to show you guys that I do practice what I preach here on the program. Um, and you know, that you guys can kind of step through the process with me. It's not always a clear, you know, sometimes there's some unique circumstances. You've got to make sense of your team, understand your needs, and then trade with a purpose. And that's what I did there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive right into the week eight fantasy football trade market. Of course, we will begin on the sell side of things. Let's begin this week with Tyler Boyd and AJ Green of the Cincinnati Bengals. T. Higgins, the rookie, is still doing the most with his targets. We've been saying that for weeks now. Uh, he's the best. He's the most effective player, wide receiver on the team, and they're making a concerted effort to get him the ball. But, of course, there appears in recent weeks there's plenty to go around in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, a good young quarterback, throwing with a lot of volume. We've finally started to see A.J. Green heat up. He's started to pop the last couple weeks in terms of target volume. A.J. Green averaging 12 targets per game the last two weeks. He's turned that into about 90 yards per contest. Um, However, he's still yet to get into the end zone. Um, But A.J. Green, a player with a big name, he's got a good matchup this week before his week nine bye next week where he will not have any value to you. Um, I think you could keep him and play him if you need to at this point. It looks like he's a solid you know, flex player, wide receiver three. But at the same time, A.J. Green, he's a pretty marketable asset this week on the trade market. And I believe he's a good candidate to, candidate to sell high on for a player you like more in return. Uh, folks, I'd also consider doing the same with Tyler Boyd, who obviously, clearly, he's more of the future of that team and still a really good player um, and, and can produce. That said, uh, there's a lot of guys getting involved right now. Um, both of these guys are a fine keep, but both of them are absolutely ripe candidates to shop for a better player in return. Uh, while we're talking on the sell side of the wide receiver market, you know we've been talking about Amari Cooper on this show for a couple of weeks now, um, along with C.D. Lamb. And pretty much we've seen, if you were slow on the draw on this, you've seen the bottom pretty much fall out on Lamb in terms of his marketability on the trade market. Uh, I don't think it's too late for Cooper, though. I mean, maybe it is if your league mates are paying attention to what a disaster the situation in Dallas is. But the box scores have at least still been respectable for Cooper in recent weeks. And he's got the big name. Uh, 
I, you know, if I'm Amari Cooper owner, I'm at least guys. There's no harm in shopping some players, seeing what's out there. I know some of you might say, "Oh, it's too late," or "No, no, he's not a sell high or buy low." Or and remember, we're not always looking to sell high or buy low. Sometimes people are just pure sells. Sometimes people are pure buys. Sometimes we're just shopping. In this case. I think you could just shop Amari Cooper and see what's out there. If the sentiment in your league is still relatively bullish because Amari Cooper's got a big name, um, maybe they don't think Dalton's going to be out long, and because the box scores from a fantasy perspective has still been respectable in recent weeks, then I'd say it would be in your best interest to try to offload Amari Cooper in a package deal for a better player uh, in return if your league mates, if there's any league mates that uh, have a positive sentiment on Amari Cooper still. Now, maybe that, again, that that very well, if you've been slow on the draw on this situation, we urged you to take a look at this two weeks ago. If you didn't do it on Lamb by now, you're probably too late. You could be too late on Cooper. Uh, again, he's had a couple of decent fantasy saves the last few weeks. I would at least investigate it. Tyler Lockett, Seattle Seahawks, a golden son, player we've scouted since he was at K-State in the Big 12, a player that we saw up close and personal at the Senior Bowl when he came out, and a player we've always loved at Roster Watch, catapulted to wide receiver two on the entire season to date on the back of a legendary 20-target, 200-yard, three-touchdown performance in Week 7. Tyler Lockett now currently nine spots ahead of DK Metcalf on the season in half-point PPR points per game at the wide receiver position. Tyler Lockett, the number two wide receiver on the season, uh, profiling significantly ahead of Metcalf after this uh, big explosion. You know, so What we'd seen, though, was kind of a short mid-season swoon from Lockett. You know, he is a player that tends to have these big outbreaks and be quiet for a couple of weeks there. We saw him coming roaring back, though. You know, Guys, he'd kind of fallen more into maybe high-end wide receiver two category in recent weeks. Uh, I think in all honesty, if we look in the mirror as objective fantasy analysts, you'd say that Tyler Lockett is probably more of a middling or low-end wide receiver one rest of the season. I mean, historically, that would be a, a pretty good for Lockett. I think this year attached to this offense, that's a that's a reasonable estimation. And surely, guys, of course, this is not a, a must-sell situation. Surely, we love Tyler Lockett. Many of you guys used the draft cheat sheet this August at rosterwatch.com. We got massive exposure to Lockett and the Metcalf. So a great keep, certainly not a must-sell. But by definition, sitting as the number two wide receiver on the league to date, if we think that Lockett is really more of a middling or even lower-end wide receiver one and he's currently in the top two by definition he simply is a potential sell high it's always good to see what's out there in your league um but please don't feel like you need to move on tyler lockett this is a good time to see maybe if you can get a king's ransom in return on the running back side of the sell market another player we've been speaking to you about in recent weeks ronald jones a narrative that we've been all over since training camp in August when we attended Bucks training camp. There's nobody in the industry or the NFL that's been more intimate with the Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette situation than yours truly and then your boys at rosterwatch.com this season. 
Um, we've had a perfect bead and handle on this thing the entire time. And um, I think we've played it just right. We've been urging you in the last couple of weeks to take a look at selling Ronald Jones high. Um, if you were able, if you waited, if you didn't do it two weeks ago, you felt good because he had the big game and got his value up even more and had seemingly distanced himself from an injured Leonard Fournette even further. Um, so we urged you guys to, to, to give that another go last week and see if you could sell him because that was probably going to be his all-time high season value. And we certainly had some have always had concerns that he could devolve to more of a flex-type player over the course of the season. And I think that's what we began to see as soon as Leonard Fournette immediately reinserted into the offense. They want to play both these guys. I said it on Twitter last night. Um, you know, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are like a poor man's or very poor man's Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt. Some people clap back, said it's more of a homeless man's version of Chubb and Hunt. And what does that mean? Uh, we like to poke fun. It means that Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are likely more solid flex plays the rest of the season at this point than, you know, Chubb was pretty much still an RB1 and Kareem Hunt was like an awesome RB3 or low end RB2 when those guys uh, were collaborating together earlier in the season. Even though we're atta- we are attached to the good offense in Tampa, so that what puts us in a decent situation. But uh, I just think you're really looking at low end RB two, high end RB three, good flexes at this point with Jones and Fournette, and it's going to be difficult to pinpoint in any given week exactly who will have the the better week. I think they'll both get their opportunities. There can always be a hot hand situation that could leave you kind of high and dry if you own one of them and he falls out of favor in a particular week. So again, Ronald Jones has been a nice play on the season, a good guy to roster early. We've handled this one correctly. And I just think it would be appropriate uh, that we should at least be attempting to level up in a two for one or three for two consolidation trade to bring home a better player in return and a deal where we can offload Ronald Jones this week. If your league mates have not totally caught on because he did get in the end zone last week, so the bottom line fantasy protection still looks very good, very, very good to less informed players. You know, that said, uh, you could be up against it. A lot of people know what happened this last week with Leonard Fournette in the picture. So uh, I hope you've been listening the last few weeks and uh, treating Ronald Jones accordingly. Uh, that said, I think this is probably our last opportunity to really try to get something done. If you haven't been able to at this point, at least look to see, you know, is there a losing team in your league uh, that you could send Ronald Jones off to and maybe uh, pick them off for somebody that we like uh, a little bit better in return? All right, folks, let's turn to the buy side of the week eight fantasy football trade market. Uh, here is one of my favorite guys this week. It's Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears wide receiver 25 on the season to date in half point PPR Uh, I don't think we should ever be surprised to find out that Allen Robinson is a wide receiver too in fantasy Uh, even though annually many experts try to promise us otherwise we should know at this point that Allen Robinson is a wide receiver too in fantasy it's we I mean at some point you know what somebody is and I get it if he was in a better quarterback situation and a better offense, you know, it seems like there should be some upside there, um, but that's just not the case. And that's not what his career has been. So I think we should deal 
in reality. Still, I think Allen Robinson is way better than the wide receiver 25 on the season. Clearly, his value is depressed right now coming off of two mediocre games. Um, and there's lots of being made of all the air yards going to the youngster Darnell Mooney in Chicago right now. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I do think it's true that Matt Nagy is the most gimmicky, dumbest play caller in the league and that only Adam Gaze is really worse uh, in the NFL. And I think to a large extent that explains why no player ever can really look good in the Chicago offense. They've got good players, but none of them look that good because Matt Nagy is a crappy coach with a crappy scheme and he calls a crappy offense. Uh, All of that said, I'd still take my chances on Nick Foles at quarterback and Allen Robinson with three top 12 matchups in the queue. Uh, that gradually get better over the next the course of the next three weeks. He gets the number 12 matchup of the week uh, this week versus New Orleans at home. Next week, Allen Robinson at Tennessee for the number seven wide receiver matchup in the league. And then a couple weeks from now, it's going to be a game at home against you know, just one of the juiciest matchups of all, number two matchup of the season, Minnesota Vikings. This is the time uh, to make a move for Allen Robinson because I'm expecting a big back from him. Bounce back from him is imminent. Uh, Allen Robinson, a fantastic guy to target if you're trying to win right now. Uh, other guys, to a lesser extent, with more question marks that their values down. These are good players with big names. I think if you could get a deal on them, they're always solid guys to add uh, to your roster. You know, if they could be flex plays or wide receiver threes. Um, it would be a pretty incredible boon. Yeah, I think to have the luxury to pursue these guys, you need to be a winning team uh, that's not necessarily uh, committed to having to start them at the top of your roster to get wins right now. And that would be Mike Evans, Tampa Bay. His value is down. There's a lot of concerns there. That said, Chris Godwin out a couple of weeks. AB is going to take a little while to reintegrate. No buy till week 13. I think we can get something out of Mike Evans here who you would have to surmise is probably getting a little bit healthier than he was over the last couple of weeks. Obvious question marks, um, but if I could get a deal on Mike Evans, I'm at least looking at it in my league. I, I think it's a pretty pretty decent idea. Remember, Evans has always been the guy in the last few years that he gets he's he's streaky, but he has the big big breakout uh, weekly you know winner type performances. And if he's not our wide receiver one, he's a guy that we're interested and making a move for if we can get a sweet deal on him. Uh, similar goes to Cooper Cup. I'm not sure it's going to be the season we hope for for Cooper Cup with the Rams. Uh, I still think in the end, especially in PPR, he's going to be a wide receiver too. Certainly hasn't been performing like it later. I mean, lately. Um, Cup, though, a guy that you're, it's not a must-trade and must-pursue fella, but if you can get a deal on Cooper Cup, what a nice wide receiver three or flex he would be the rest of season. I think he's going to get some touchdown regression. And then Michael Thomas. A lot of people getting very scared of Michael Thomas. The big narrative this week is that it's a lost season for Michael Thomas. And it very well could be. Very, very well could be. Um, That said, if you're a winning team uh, that has the assets to pull it off, like what do you have to lose if it's kind of a low-risk situation? His owners have to be terribly frustrated uh, probably can't withstand another lost week. So if there's a losing team in your league that owns Michael Thomas and you're a winning team and don't need anything from him anytime soon that has the guys, maybe a couple guys with good matchups that could help 
the Michael Thomas owner this week, I think it's worth looking at it. You know, what really, what do you have to lose if you are a stacked uh, team? All right, folks, let's turn to the running back side of the week eight fantasy football trade market. The buy side of the week eight fantasy football trade market. Let's hop over to a guy we've talked about a couple times this year, Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles. Still not participating as of Wednesday in practice with the knee. You'll want to monitor that. Uh, If Miles Sanders misses this week, his owners are going to be staring down the barrel of a week nine bye, uh, meaning that on the season through week nine, it would represent almost 45% of the season that Miles Sanders has been unavailable to his owners. So that means there could be some Sanders owners out there that are in real trouble. And if there's one of those in your league, if you're a winning team, I implore you to target Miles Sanders. He's going to be spectacular when he comes back into the lineup with a Eagles offense that's beginning to round into form. He's he, When he's in there, he's getting the monster snap count, the monster target and touch share. He's the exact kind of fantasy player that we want to own Uh I, it's just this is a this would be one of the best moves you could possibly make if Miles Sanders if we get word that Miles Sanders is looking iffy for this week, absolutely implore each and every one of you. He's got a tremendous schedule on the other side of the week nine bye. If you can pick him off now, thank me later when you have a nuclear running back two or three on your hands in your starting lineups down the stretch with Miles Sanders. To a lesser extent, I'd try the same thing with Josh Jacobs. He's got the buy in his rearview mirror. Um, certainly his value is down, but he still is RB16 on the season, points per game and half point PPR. Uh, that's a pretty solid running back too. And he's still basically top three in the league in terms of touches per game. That's Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders. Even though the efficiency hasn't been there, I think it's a pretty solid calculated risk if you can pick up Josh Jacobs on a sweet deal to become your flex or running back three rest of season. Uh, You know, if I needed to backfill a weak RB2 position, uh, I might even consider uh, him an option there as well. Lots of lots of concern about Zeke Elliott out there, rightfully so. Alex yelled at me on the Sunday morning game show on game day show on Sirius XM for saying that Zeke was likely a low-end or middling at best running back one rest of season. I think in retrospect, that's exactly what we've seen over the last two weeks, and it's actually been worse than that. 12 rushing attempts per game at a 65% snap count isn't going to get it done for Zeke Elliott owners. Uh, This is not the player that we've come to know and love that has the historically has had the monster volume profile in Dallas and efficiency. Um, Sure, I think we're going to see some good games here and there the rest of the way out of Zeke, but I am highly, highly skeptical at this point that we're going to see Zeke's production return with any consistency uh, rest of season. The Dallas team is a disaster. Philly and Pittsburgh the next two weeks are not easy matchups. Uh, The Cowboys are eight-point underdogs this week on the road in a lowly projected 43-point game total. Against the Eagles, that's not the best scenario for a fantasy running back when you're making prognostications on the week. Then there's a week 10 bye. So I'd say you have to tread very lightly if you're thinking about pursuing Zeke, who is definitely a buy low at this point, which has rarely ever happened in his career. 
um, because I think you might be buying low on a player that's that may not deliver what you're hoping for the rest of season. And I think if you own Zeke, you should be more than willing to listen to the offers out there from your less informed league mates who maybe you're still enamored with his big time name and and maybe have the view that they truly believe they're still buying low on an elite fantasy player because trust me, when it comes to Zeke Elliott rest of the season, they absolutely are not. Uh, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, uh, you guys know we've been tracking them. If your league mates don't know what's going on with them at this point, both guys would be more than happy to get his throw-ins in a trade, possibly a liquidation deal where we're getting a couple guys in return. Zach Moss uh, reintegrating into that Bills offense and looking better than Singletary, looking sturdier, the player that they might be able to um, become the focal point of the run game. It's a projection, but... um, if he's underappreciated in your league, you're certainly happy to bring him back uh, to your bench. Because remember, we're at this point in the season, we're still very interested in fading the attrition of the season. Also building future trade assets for the big-time trades we'll be making to load up our starting lineups for the arms race that we know as the fantasy football players. We'll be getting into that strategy in a couple, week, a couple weeks, exactly how we'll be dealing with that on the trade market. But stacking our bench now is a big part of that. And Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, certainly guys who could be part of that equation. Um, we'll see if J.K. Dobbins get the DeAndre Swift treatment here after the bye. Uh, it may or may not happen. A lot of us are certainly hopeful because we know that if he gets it, he can perform um, very, very admirably in that role. And he clearly is the future of that backfield in Baltimore. We talk every week about the injured players who are buy candidates, who are solid buy candidates. Um, we're not ever interested in mediocre injured players. We're interested in big-time injured players who are only available because they are injured. And in this case, it looks like we might get another week on the trade market out of Christian McCaffrey. I'm clearly, if somebody's held him this long, they're holding on for dear life, hoping to roll him out as soon as he gets back. That said, if it's a losing team with Christian McCaffrey, people are at the point now where like, they can't take another loss or their season's over. Go after McCaffrey if you have the assets to do it. Overpay for him if you need to. Give up two or three good guys that you're that that your league mate who's struggling can use to improve their starting lineup this week, feel good about rest of the season, and can help them get a win. Because you're asking them to part with a big-time player that they've held on to for a long time. Give them something that makes sense just because that's a deal that you want to get done if you can. Uh, clearly, you need to be in the driver's seat from a record and asset perspective. You need to be a wealthy fantasy owner. <laughs> Let's call it that if you want to go after McCaffrey this week. That said, it looks like we might get lucky, get one more opportunity. Uh, that's a league winner if you are a winning team and you can uh, bring Christian McCaffrey home uh, here before he returns. Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, all guys. We want to get a pulse on their injury status. All very good players down the stretch in the season that we're very interested in owning that could make our playoff rosters incredible. Uh, We want to at least investigate buying low on these players when we can. We don't want to uh, go crazy on them. Uh, But if there's a player in your league who rosters Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, investigate the injury situation. 
understand your situation as an owner. If you can accommodate onboarding those guys and there's an opportunity, we talk about being opportunistic. Being opportunistic involves being aware. You have to be on watch. And then when something comes into your zone, you have to strike like hell without hesitation. And that's what I would be looking to do on Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, and Austin Eckler if I was a winning team this week and could get a sweet deal on one of those guys uh, from a losing owner in my league. And I would not hesitate to quote unquote overpay if I had the luxury of assets in order to do so. Uh, Another interesting guy here to me that I'm not sure exactly what to make of, but I wanted to discuss is Melvin Gordon of the Denver Broncos. Um, I think he could be in play on your trade market this week. I'm not totally sure in which direction. And oftentimes that means a guy will frequently turn out to just be a hold. But, you know, we've got Philip Lindsay, who's possibly out with a concussion. Uh, This week isn't a great matchup on paper against the Chargers at home, but it's a revenge game for Melvin Gordon against his old team. And then the subsequent three matchups, week nine through week 11, are all pretty juicy for the Broncos' backfield and for Melvin Gordon. Um, So I think, you know, rest of season, obviously, Gordon still has Lindsey to contend with, who I thought looked pretty good. Um, And there is still a potential looming suspension for Gordon's DWI, although we're hearing that may take a while to come down, possibly even into the offseason. To me, though, it's still pretty clear that Gordon is the lead guy. in in Denver and the running back you'd like to own. So, you know, I I just say when it comes to Melvin Gordon, this is going to depend on the market in your league, which is totally circumstantial. Uh, He could be a buy, sell, keep, hold this week. But, you know, if I was active on my fantasy football trade market, I might take a few minutes just to poke around, see what's going on with Melvin Gordon uh, and, you know, just see what's out there. That never hurts. Uh, Folks, we talk every single week about artificial purchasing moments on elite players who are out on buys. Sometimes there's players who aren't really buy lows because their performances have been just fine, but maybe there's a window to buy on them because uh, they're unavailable on a buy week and maybe their owner is in a must-win situation. Uh, It's worth checking out. We've got Arizona, Washington, Jacksonville, and Houston on a buy this week. Take a look at the elite players from all of those teams And just see what's going on with them in your league. There could be an opportunity there. Uh, It seems that every week (laughs) we've begun discussing a tight end on this show. Uh, A little bit unusual, but there's been some guys that have been worth a look on the trade market. And this week it's Janu Smith, uh, an old-time favorite at Roster Watch. We discovered him at the Senior Bowl several years ago. Always said he was a little bit of a, uh, a Delaney Walker, and I think we've seen that. Uh, here in recent years. Two really bad games in a row with Janu Smith of the Tennessee Titans. Really bad fantasy games. I'm not sure that that that's coincidental either. I don't think it's coincidental that that occurred in the wake of A.J. Brown's toward return. Uh, still, I think if you zoom out, Janu Smith is one of the better tight ends in all of fantasy football, especially with T- Tannehill throwing with increased volume these days. And, you know, just the overall quality of the Titans offense seems to have taken another step. And they always tend to find themselves in these high scoring game scripts this season, all of which, you know, would be good news for Janu Smith. So if I needed a tight end in my league, uh, I take my chances pursuing Janu Smith this week. He gets the second best matchup in all of fantasy at Cincinnati 
and then another solid matchup at home against Chicago the following week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, identify your needs. Target losing teams in win-now mode. Ask yourself, are you operating from a position of luxury? Are you an undefeated team or a one- or two-loss team with a stockpile of quality assets? Always maintain a focus on your starting lineup when considering any deal. Ask yourself, is this rational? Is this logical? Or is this a harebrained idea? Does this trade make sense for my team? Have I identified my needs? Am I buying or am I buying at a discount? Am I selling or am I selling high? Or am I selling at a discount for that matter? Have I looked at the losing teams on the bubble in my league? Is this the highest and best trade or use I can make of my assets? Is this a good trade or is this the best trade that's out there for me? What is the net fallout from the deal being proposed? Where are you noticeably upgrading your roster? What of meaningful value are you giving up? Who does this trade send to your bench? Does it upgrade your starting lineup? Are the guys you're trading for starters on your team? Who are the principals involved in this deal? Are you getting the best player in return? Do you need multiple guys in return? What are the upcoming schedules for these players? Quit overpaying for quarterbacks on the fantasy football trade market. Uh, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I thank you, each and every one of you, for your loyal support at rosterwatch.com. And it's an absolute honor being on the front lines of all of your fantasy teams over the last 10 years. I ask you to please subscribe to the Rosterwatch channel on YouTube, the Rosterwatch podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at Rosterwatch or over on the site at rosterwatch.com. Until next time, Roster Watch Nation, so long. So long.